are listening to Two Sons of Tatooine. If there's a bright center to the universe, you're listening to the podcast that it's farthest from. And here are your hosts, Jonathan and Nathan. Welcome back to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine, the podcast so far from the bright center of the universe. If we go any further south, we might hit space Antarctica. <laughs> I'm one of your hosts, Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro, and I'm joined by Jonathan Cohen, your co-host. Today, we are talking about a brand new series called Star Wars Rebels. Wait, what? It's not Rebels? This, this, it feels like a Rebels episode. <laughs> it's a Bad Batch episode? But they were barely in it. Okay, apparently we, this was an episode of The Bad Batch, entitled <laughs> The Devil's Deep. Uh, this episode prominently features Ryloth. Uh, our favorite Twi'lek family, of course, the Sindulas. Um Yeah, and we got to go back after all of the time that we spent there in the Clone Wars and really see where things are currently standing. Uh, so, Jonathan, just throw us out, begin this episode with some of your thoughts overall. Um, well, I know a lot of people, this is their least favorite episode of The Bad Batch so far. Mm-hmm. Um, that is not the case for me. I loved it. Um, uh, there are a lot of things just by nature about this episode that excite me. We've, you and I have been texting about this. There is one issue I have with it that mm-hmm. I think is okay. I've, I've gone back and rewatched it several times. I think it's okay. And also I have further evidence outside the episode um, for me. But there, there's, there's one problem. But other than that, I loved it. It was so much fun. The music I thought was really good in this episode. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, one big thing people are talking about is they like the music a lot. Yeah, the music a was good. A lot of the Princess Leia type of motif that's thrown yes. in there. Um, like but it's for changed. Hera, believe it or not. Yeah, it's a little bit a little bit altered. Yeah. I mean, that's but, kind of everything Kevin Kiner does. I mean, the, the Clone Wars theme that he made was basically just a really altered version of the original Star Wars theme. So, uh, yeah. anyway, I, I, I fully enjoyed this episode. Um, uh, there were some really cool reveals and looking at IMDB, I was like, oh, he plays him and she plays her and things like that, that I found really exciting. Um, uh, you know, Mm. all the original cast from the Clone Wars play their characters in this episode. Like, Mm -hmm. um, uh, the guy who played Champs and Dula was the same. Phil Lamar, who has been in Star Wars for decades, he's done Darth Vader's voice in video games. He has done um, uh, Star Wars Resistance. He's done Clone Wars and Rebels. He voiced in both Clone Wars and now Bad Batch, Orn Frita. And then we also got um, uh, Vanessa Marshall back as Hera. And I thought that was interesting because it did not sound like Vanessa really? Marshall. Yeah. Really? It did not sound like her. So that they was actually going to be one of my complaints was how weird she sounded. Well, it was a younger, much younger version. Yeah, you know, she's, but uh, it didn't sound like the same voice actress at all. I know. And it I don't didn't. know. Yeah, that could have been on purpose. Obviously, it was. Oh, I'm if sure it was, it was the same voice actor. I'm sure it was on purpose to make her seem so much younger. Because, um, uh, you know, this is she's in her 30s in Rebels. Whereas now she's like a, not even like a preteen. Mm-hmm. So anyway, yeah, but that was really cool to see that they actually got the original cast, you know, mm-hmm. back together again. Yeah. Um, uh, and, you know, it was great to just see Ryloth again. I, I, the Twi'leks are one of my favorite species and Ryloth is just one of my favorite planets because it's just the storylines that go on there are so much fun. I love the whole Ryloth arc in season one of Clone Wars. I loved 
the uh, the episodes where we go back to Ryloth later on in like season three and season four. Mm-hmm. So I love Ryloth, um, and I think that this episode does it justice. Um, it also works surprisingly well with Rebels. Like Chopper, despite how different the animation <laughs> style is, Chopper looks the same. He looks the same, yeah. And so I was I was really surprised <laughs> by how similar he looked. Yeah, Chopper's return was. I don't know. For some reason, that just... I, I liked his return more than I've liked other stuff in this episode just because he's so stupidly funny. Oh, and yeah. Everything that he does is... I don't know. He's he's kind of like an inside joke almost. Mm-hmm. Um, and what's, what's kind of funny with him, is that they voice. actually... <laughs> what's kind of funny is that the person... Who, for, for the whole Rebels run, they always said, as himself, for Chopper. Yeah. Yeah. But then in the season finale, series finale in season four, they revealed that Dave Filoni was the voice. But mm-hmm. in this episode, they said as himself. And I was like, why would you do that? The cat's out of the bag. We know it's Dave Filoni. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that was a bit curious. But yeah, seeing Chopper was really fun. And uh, there have been plenty of memes already about uh, seeing Hera and Chopper again. Mm-hmm. The biggest thing is whenever we're in, in Ryloth in the Clone Wars episodes... Um, we're dealing with war. We're dealing with just, and it's fast paced. Mm-hmm. Um, we're dealing with actual warfare right now. When we have visited this episode, we're dealing with political warfare. Yeah. We're dealing with a totally different tone and totally different pacing. And, uh, there was parts of this that I liked better and uh, other areas I liked, you know, I liked the actual clone wars parts better. Um, we saw, let's see, one of the favorite, times that we see Ryloth is is Mace Windu on these walkers in the yeah. Clone Wars. I always remember that because he's he's able to dodge all of these blasts and of course the um there was one little thing that it, that annoyed me in that Clone Wars episode was this little little girl that they found. I was like, oh well it's a kid show. Oh oh that's a different episode, believe it or not. Yeah it is a different episode. Yeah. Um but uh they it's part of the arc, basically though. yeah it's part of the arc. Obi Wan, you know, he gets kind of saved by the prisoners that he had saved, um, yeah. the 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 Twi'lek prisoners, and uh, they technically, if if the Bad Batch were to help out, there might somewhere be a uh, a battle droid, a um, uh, the head of a um, what do you call them? Ooh. Yeah, tactical droid. Tactical droid. Yeah. So we know that the because basically that's what ended up happening is. On Ryloth, these prisoners, these Twi'leks, basically like tore the <laughs> they tore this tactical droid apart, and uh, so maybe the Bad Batch will find that and they'll be like, "Hey, well, here you go, Sid. Give us money." Exactly. Um, that's I, I hadn't thought of that. I don't think that that's likely. It's I, very unlikely. But like, hey, that's a knows? deep. That is a deep cut for them to do. <laughs> so. I mean, they've it's done deep. deep cuts in this show, but have they gone that far with them? I don't know. I don't know. I don't um, know that it, it it could happen, but probably not. Yeah, it was um, so politically. What we see from the beginning is the tone, and uh, it was interesting to me having the the episode before this also been political, um, and us seeing a senator. Um, well, was he a he was a senator in the Confederacy? Yeah, he was. A, yeah, he was a senator. Um, most likely, yeah. he. I'm, I'm guessing <laughs> that he had been a senator. In the Republic, and then when they broke off, he just served yeah. as a senator in the Confederacy. So Ryloth has a ton more people, mm-hmm. a ton more people shown. So even even the contrast of episode to episode 
and just seeing the the people, uh, the citizens anyway, that are addressed and their reaction to Ryloth felt a lot like, more like the culture was one of uh, distrust um, oh, yeah. and even hesitant, even hesitancy when, you know, I, I think in the Clone Wars in general, how many times were the, you know, the people near near starvation yeah. And you had you had Republic Jedi sacrifice their lives, clone troopers sacrifice their lives, everything, giving everything just to get them supplies or um, to get there in the last second just to save a few lives of prisoners or things yeah. like that. Where Ryloth, they owe a great debt to the Republic, um, but they're not so blind as to not see that the Empire is different. Even now, right off the bat... When Senator Ta, uh, yeah, yeah, Senator Ta. Ta, he addresses the crowd to absolute skepticism and no applause, no, you know, no buy-in whatsoever. And it's not until obviously Cham Sandula speaks to them. And Cham, <clears throat> from from what he says, you'll be very careful to listen to. Never praising the Empire. Play, he praises the clone troopers, the yeah. clone army. The clone army is who he wants to place his trust in because those are the people he's fought alongside and seen their faces. And I think uh, a big part of that is probably placed on a specific clone trooper who we'll probably talk about mm-hmm. in this episode with which he has a relationship with. Who, yeah. if if theories are already, I mean, it's bounding that you're probably on board that this clone is quite different and may or may not be affected by Order 66. I mean, uh, this was the one clone that uh, uh, they they ran out of chips for, and they were like, eh, he probably won't be fine. I don't, won't. I don't know, but his name is Hauser, right? Yeah. Let's just go ahead and talk about him. Why not, right? Yeah. Why not? He was one of the most interesting things about this episode. How many other clones have retained their personality besides him? Uh, are you... Mm, uh, excluding taking Crosshair. out the chips. Right? Excluding Crosshair. And, like, any other clones that you've seen retain their personality or defend things the way... Like, even think about the moment where he tells um, uh, Syndulla to stop. Think about what you're doing when Syndulla's about to execute uh, Senator Ta. And he's like, think about what you're doing. That does not seem like something that... Like, that's a reasoning with him thing. That's not a Order 66 clone... However, our sample size is very small. You know, we know there are million, possibly millions of clones, and we've only, you know, in reality, we think about the clones that we know by name. We've only met, what, 100, 200 of them? And so there's bound to be a, despite how, how effective the, the, the chip is, there's bound to be clones that it affects differently. I mean, we saw it with, with um, Rex, he actively resisted. Now, he mm-hmm. fell, uh, you know, he had to, to follow it, but he still was able to resist it in some way, showing that there was a spectrum. So I'm betting Hauser's naturally, he probably didn't have the compliance before the chip. And it's so more when like, you think he's possibly a earlier generation clone, which has, they seem to have more individuality and more personality. Yeah, it's possible. I don't, remember him i don't believe we've seen him before um Mm -hmm. i I haven't checked wikipedia but the reason one i've never heard the name before um Mm -hmm. which i believe the name is a reference to jody hauser who writes 
a lot of the Star Wars comics. And she, you know, she did the Rogue One adaptation. She did the Thrawn adaptation. She did... Yeah, his first appearance, I just checked for sure. It is confirmed. It's Bad Batch is his first appearance. Okay, that's good. So it doesn't... We haven't seen him before, so we don't know how his relationship has been. But I think that it's is purposeful to show this because oh, yeah. it's to show us clones. Some clones, it may not affect as bad because I think that they're afraid of showing every clone as being bad. Every clone is affected by the, the, the chip. And therefore, if we see a clone in the future that has not had the chip removed, we want them dead or something. And I think mm-hmm. this is a way to say, hey, look, we can have some good clones that without you know, affecting them too much. So just to, to um, add to that point, there are, there are clones who are generally good, and there are some clones even in Clone Wars that we see that you're like, well, that kind of, kind of a jerk. Yes, um, exactly. So they have different personalities. Like I mm-hmm. can remember clones complaining to their superiors and being, you know, making one, even some of them making racist comments. Like I was, I actually went back and watched some of the Ryloth arc, and there's a clone who's like, Great, we gotta we gotta save the tailheads, like talking about the Twi'leks in that way. I mean, we're talking about a clone, and his commander would have never said that. So the difference in them is clear. Like they can have yeah. uniqueness, and and I agree that they could be differently affected by the chip to a degree. It just seems like Hauser is being painted as a exception because we've not seen he is acting. In every facet, exactly what I would expect a clone to act prior to the chip activating. Yeah. So far. Mm-hmm. I think I think everything that he has done, and here's what I think will happen at the end of the episode, or at the beginning of next episode, because we see one Hera off on her own, and him being left by the other by the gunships. They they fly away with the prisoners or who, uh, with whatever and and he is left, so Hauser's left like on the ground and t- told to go and find her. So Hera, Hauser meet up. I almost expect the two of them to partner. It's possible to partner yeah. next episode. I, I wonder if he's going to meet the Batch. I do too. meeting the Batch is what's going to affect him in some way. Yeah, that's a possibility even though, hmm, if he meets the batch, what are they doing? Are they delivering more weapons? Are they going to come no, back? No, no. I Ryloth? think they're going to save. I think. I think that uh, Hera is going to somehow communicate with them. She's going to. She's going to go back to either a so, stronghold or something, and she's going to use whatever channels they used to contact Sid to yeah, contact her, her, her again. Her quote unquote uncle wasn't he shot and killed? Who are you the, referring uh, to? The her quote unquote uncle, who she was with. Oh, you mean Gobi? Um, Gobi. Okay. Uh, well, I don't. Uh, he wasn't shot. Um, I don't believe one of the uh, ones in his group was shot. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. That they were. Um, sure. Gobi is in stories later on. He's in Rebels. Oh, okay. So he's okay. and he is in. Um, then he uh, probably books. is the one who contacts Sid, asking for more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. He probably just says, "Well, you guys are in the area, kind of. I mean, just turn around, head back." Uh, it's like uh, it's at this point. It's like a hey, can you get us out of? You're alive mm-hmm. because we don't see any way like the Sindulas themselves might stay because yeah. publicly I feel like their position, they may decide, unlike the Senator and the Confederacy in the previous episode, 
they may decide, well, my best way to serve my people is staying here. And even if they execute me, that's going to, ref- you know, the rebellion and the people is going to be, you know, there's going to be heck to pay. Yeah. Um, I do so, think that there's a like 75% chance that Mrs. Sindula dies next episode. Yeah. yeah. Because for one, we know that she dies prior to the events of Lord of the Sith. And we know that, um, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it leaves Hera motherless for a long time of her childhood. And so mm-hmm. if they, if, if she's alive a couple years from now, Hera's becoming closer to an adult it it's, it's, makes more sense. And plus, this thematically, kill off the mother trying to save her shows Hera deciding to fight for the rebellion officially and stuff like that. Um, I would like to pivot back towards the beginning of the episode. There circle was an, back. Let's yeah, circle back. Circle back. Circle okay. um, back. There was... <laughs> this is actually... I'm going to connect this to, to Jen Saki. No. Oh, gosh. Um, here we go. Okay, here we so... Go. Actually, but this is going to get political. In the, <laughs> okay. there's a shot where you see them turning in their guns, and to the, to the <sighs> empire, and oh, it's yeah. very much shown like the citizenry, even like the citizenry had armed themselves to fight against the uh, the invading droids, and it was a very interesting theme of showing giving up your weapons is a bad mm-hmm. thing to show that to disarm the citizenry, some of these weapons are. I probably would be considered assault weapons. And yet you as the audience believe that the citizenry should be able to have that kind of weapons because you hey, want what them. does it matter? What does it matter if they've got those weapons? You've got a Death Star. Unless you've got a Death Star, you can't stand up to the Empire. That was <laughs> that was well played. I, I appreciate that reference. <laughs> Actually, Man, I think that was Shapiro stolen from Babylon B, wasn't it? Yeah. Everyone at the Daily Wire got so much... Uh, so much mileage out of that comment. Oh my gosh! Um, he kept him kept him rolling for a few days. Oh, that, that but, was top quality memes. So. But but seriously, like you know, Star Wars typically, especially more recently, typically tends to show more of a liberal uh, uh, political viewpoint because most yeah, of the employees Jedi, there all all gambling is evil. Apparently, or all all rich people are evil on the you know. On the casino planet. Yeah, yeah. Well, that's that's uh, that's just. I'm not talking about necessarily the Last Jedi specific. I'm saying just as a whole, the messaging in across all media for the past couple of years has I been mean, left of center. Um, that's because it's Hollywood and things like that. But so to see something like this, which is traditionally more of a right of center um, theme, what's so radical about the idea that a rebel group needs weapons? To stand up to an oppressive government called the Empire. No, what's so but, radical about that? But but in today's society, you know, citizenry shouldn't be having weapons. You know, the idea that anyone but you know, you know, even even saying the police shouldn't have weapons is popular now. Like the idea of weapons is so unpopular in mm-hmm. um uh, in modern society right now that to it's 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 pretty radical for them to show weaponry in a among citizenry in a positive light. So that's why right. my point is just I that, liked the way that they Oh, I did. I did too. I was just really and surprised. I'm, my point is it shouldn't be radical, but your point no, it is shouldn't. that it is. Yeah, and, and I'm I just think, surprised well, to see Lucasfilm put something like that in there in such a collaborative media. I could see an author including that in a book. It was unintentional, because, I think. Because I mean, the author is, you know, has more control over the single story, whereas this is a very much a collaborative effort. 
with all the producers and writers and directors and things like that. So you'd have to get all of them on board for something like this. So this I'm, is why, um, like people have said, you know, a quiet place was unintentionally pro gun. Um, yeah. And they're like, oh no, I, I'm sorry that we produced a pro gun, uh, you know, message in our in our film. We're so sorry to everybody. And I'm like, mm, this. Is, I, sh- I hope that Lucasfilm isn't the same thing. Question. I don't, I don't think they. I don't think they will. I was just gonna say, if you hear uh, loud noises, I apologize. It's the thunderstorm and the thunderclaps are real. Oh, that's close, awesome. So. Yeah, I, we've had thunderstorms here too, which mm-hmm. is awesome. Um, <laughs> all the storms across the United States today. Um, anyway, we're talking about uh, we're talking about Clone Wars Episode Eleven, which. I think we've only got five episodes left. You mean Bad Batch episode 11? Bad Batch episode. (laughs) It felt like a Clone Wars episode. (laughs) I know we made the joke, but I just had a Freudian slip, y'all, and it's real. This episode was the... This was the the least screen time by far for the entire Bad Batch um, that we've seen. And and, uh, they they do get a little bit of screen time. We'll talk about that. But just the placement of this episode with... With where they're taking us, we keep wondering what's the overarching story. What has been the story so far of this season, would you say? Just uh, through 11 episodes, what has been the main overarching theme? The overarching theme is the Bad Batch learning how to operate outside of an establishment while at the same time learning how to parent a young child. That's been, it's been a dual, a dual storyline that, you know, is connected. Um, and the, that's, the, the B theme would be a fledgling empire establishing their dominant culture through political subterfuge and messaging and really strong leaders that are very uh, I would say very particular in who they who they want in power and making sure they get their people in Um, so that's been the B theme so really it's the establishment of the empire in a way that has been amazing to see we've never got to see just the first month or two of the empire's existence and just how's that how's that playing out in i mean obviously we've seen a confederacy world and now we've seen a world that was um hesitant to join but eventually joins the republic um or you know did rejoin the republic sorry uh ryloth was republic for the entire time sorry i feel like i feel like ryloth is one of those things where on ordinary basis, Ryloth wouldn't be um, uh, a part of the uh, wouldn't be a part of the Republic. But yeah, you have why. someone such as Orn Frita, who is such an establishment type of person that yeah. he single-handedly is responsible for bringing Ryloth in. And at this point, it's like eh, it's too much effort for us to leave again. Like, that dude's like he's responsible for probably single-handedly increasing his own wealth through oh, all sure. the planet's resources and maneuvering him like himself into the position of power in a way that you see politicians in America doing that is it's so much about political gain and all of the you know c- connections and things that he built that was we probably see the result of it in this is by the time that we're, we're where we are now, the people don't even feel like he's done anything for them. They feel a connection to instead a guy who's not even politically elected, you know? Yeah. I, I, I would equate on the Republican side. I would equate 
Orrin Frita is how some Republicans view someone like uh, Mitch McConnell, <laughs> whereas Cham Sandula is how they view someone like a Rand Paul or a Ted Cruz. On the flip side, Democrats, he's uh, Orrin Frita's... Oh, yeah. Right. Uh, on the Democrats' <laughs> side, he's m- he's more of a Harry Reid yeah. or uh, even even a, a Pelosi. Uh, Nancy Pelosi, whereas yeah. Cham Sandula is there... Uh, you Bernie, know, Sanders. Bernie Sanders, or uh, yeah, so so it shows, and not necessarily in that like they're so radical. With one percent of all the best pudding in the whole world. Okay, we're gonna go back. To, sorry, I don't know <laughs> no, why I felt but, the need. No, but the, like the not necessarily in the the concept that their ideas are radical, in that they themselves are more anti-establishment. Yeah, 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 and so. he is an establishment guy, completely orn free. Which it's interesting to me because the connotations of this episode are that he's not trustworthy by the Empire. His use to them is only in his ability to manipulate those people. And they've already seen he can't. Mm-hmm. So so they realize we can't really put him in position of leadership. He is a guy who would have been probably loyal to the Empire. Oh, I feel like oh, he would he have done that. He was completely loyal. He just, um, he just lost his power. He lost his usefulness. At the same time, you see a guy like Sindula, who, if they could make him loyal, he would be useful. Um, so I think that's when they decided. In this episode, we saw Orn Free basically executed, um, though we have some questions about that. The yes. dude takes, and, and I'm wondering, why would they literally let Crosshair headshot him? Which is a, like, you don't really headshot and then have people come back from that and be like, oh yeah, I was, I'm okay. If you're gonna if you're gonna take somebody out, you shoot him in the head. Now I know the blaster; it kind of hit him in like the top of the head. Yeah, where it, it he's was got more like in the, closer to the leku than it was <laughs> the the brain area of the head. Um, but if it hadn't been for the comment attempted assassination, everybody would be like, "Oh, dude, he's dead." Oh yeah. Or except for and also the people who are like, "But he has to appear in Lords of the Sith." Um, yeah. Apart there, from, go ahead. Oh, so so I, I, I want to first lay out. This is, a lot. You, you talked about this earlier. Yeah, Throw it to I want to you, lay out what all is the your, evidence for yeah, here. What is your first evidence? is um, uh, the line "attempted assassination" is very particular because when they're writing this, if they want to convey that the character has died, especially if they're going to use it to propagandize the moment, they're going to say arrest them for the assassination of Orn Free Ta. If he's dead, boom, you're just going to say for the assassination of... Because when, when you're talking with the public, saying that you actually assassinated him is more effective in, in, in making someone look bad than saying attempted assassination. So that's first thing. Second thing is to the audience, to us, if they wanted to tell us that he was dead... They just say for the assassination. So that's the second thing. Here's the third piece of evidence is when they're taking him off the stretcher uh, at the, towards the end of the his episode, hand moves. his hand is moving. Now, maybe that. it's maybe that's like a Lord of the Rings. He's moving because he's got my axe embedded in his nervous system. Nervous system. Yeah. It, it could <laughs> be something like that, but I don't think it is. I think that they included that shot so that we would see him moving his hand a little bit. And next episode, we don't know... If we're going to see Frita or not, they might explain it, they might not. Um, uh, I saw someone explain that, you know, for the purposes of people who only watch Bad Batch and stuff, Orn Frita is dead. But they can easily do a, 
back from the dead type thing. Because um, here's one example. They literally freaking blew up. Um, uh, uh, what's that guy from the Clone Wars? Uh, the kind of spider-like guy. Uh, the Admiral uh, Trench. Remember him? Mm. In season two, he's on his command ship. And the bomb literally hits the bridge. And you see the bridge explode. And oh, he man. comes back in season six of Clone Wars. And you see him... Half of his body is robotic, like strict mm. down the middle, including part of his brain. Half of him is robotic and the other half is flesh. Wow. And he literally blew up. So it's yeah. like, you can bring a character back. Well, I mean, Maul. Maul. Uh, Maul. He's, he's yeah, back. but Maul's a different situation because it, like, it wasn't a headshot or anything, as you were saying. Or even a yeah, heart shot. Yeah. It was a standard. Whereas with Trench, he was literally like half split down the middle. Like upwards, up and down, not side mm-hmm. to side. So... That's that's and the other piece of that. We don't know how bad elements. Grievous was injured, but obviously he yeah. came back too. Mm-hmm. Um, and and there's another piece of evidence, as I mentioned, with Lords of the Sith. We have had instances where the Clone Wars has slightly changed an event, or Rebels, or something has slightly changed an event from established canon. What we haven't had is someone be alive later in the timeline and <clears throat> killed off earlier in the timeline, and like. And had the earlier kill-off affect mm-hmm. it. Here's a, a, one example is we had, um, in the beginning of Bad Batch, the way that that whole scene where, um, you know, Kanan and uh, 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 his master, Depa Balaba, you know, mm-hmm. that, their Order 66 scene. The, mm-hmm. the idea of, okay, she dies, he runs away, the clone troopers are after him. The beats are the same. None of the character deaths are different. The only difference is they change the time of day and the coloring coloration of the stormtroopers. I mean, of the clone mm-hmm. troopers' armor and stuff like that. Yeah, they didn't. Yeah. They didn't change who lived or died. That stayed exactly the same. So mm-hmm. I think that they're not going to kill off the Ornfrita here. Is is that? And in Lords of the Sith, it's not that they just talk about him being alive. He actually has lines. He comes in, talks with the Emperor. He's, he's really sycophantic by the events of Lords of the Sith. And he's, like, groveling before the, um, uh, before the em- Emperor. And they go on this ship, and basically uh, Vader's like, I thought you were going to kill him off or something. And the Emperor's like, eh, he's not worth the, not worth the effort. <laughs> and um, uh, basically at the end of Lords of the Sith, you don't know whether he's alive or not. But at, during the events of the whole book, he shows up, you know, and, and in a speaking role. So when you add all of that evidence together, I just don't think that he's dead. Um, uh, and also just, you know, Wikipedia, who's pretty good at this stuff, they, they list him as incapacitated on their, uh, on their page. <laughs> and I think... I think hey, that's, that's a the Schrodinger's right cat thing. Yeah, yeah. He's alive and dead. I don't know. I think I think we'll see soon because they left it. They left it here and they probably did it on purpose because people have been like, "But wait, he's still." But we're talking exactly. We're talking about it. That's the that's the good thing about what this does is when you put up canon questions like this, whether it's a good idea to do this to kill Frita or a bad idea, it gets the conversation going. The problem is if you do it too much and then don't reward people for it is when, you know, you have a bad thing. For instance, they changed the scene with Kanan and uh, his master. They changed this with Frita. The more and more that they break the canon, 
the more and more people are going to get ticked off that they're not following continuity, and the more people are going to stop reading the books or the comics, because they're going to think, why do I need to read these if you're not going to make them connect when you said they would connect? Yeah. Yeah. Like, they, they can get away with it a little bit, but the, it's, it seems to be happening more and more often, so I think they need to be a little bit more careful in the future. Yeah, I mean, there's always been the hierarchy. Obviously, the movies, they trump yeah. anything in the TV show. The TV show trumps anything in the books. The books and that's, trump thing in probably comics. You know. And that was 100% the system that was in when Lucas was in charge. But that was not the system we were promised in 2014. Exactly. And as far as we know, they have not come out and set, said, okay, we're changing the system yet. Mm-hmm. And I'm fine... If they wanted to have that, and if that's been the whole plan the whole time, totally fine with me. But you need to communicate that because, you know, the story group has said in the past, guys, don't worry about what's canon or not. Leave that to us. And we're like, yeah, but when I read something, I read a canon book differently than I read a Legends book, differently than I read a fan, fan theory book. And so mm-hmm. I need to know where it goes in my head. So don't jerk me around with it. So mm-hmm. yeah. anyway, let's go to this little um, blip that we get to see the Bad Batch in real quick. So yeah. we we've got some some kind of, you know, foreshadowing to Hera's interest in piloting. And mm-hmm. uh, of course, of course, Gobi's in low is like, no, you can't land or yet. When I when I started driving, we lived um, we lived near, near it was a, a dam across Tennessee River and uh it was very narrow, so my parents would do the same thing. They'd be like, "Well, you can drive until we get there, but then you can't go across it." It just <laughs> reminded me, reminded of well, no takeoffs or landings yet. Yeah, because um, this thing was really narrow. Uh, sometimes you would even pass like eighteen wheelers on there, and you'd be like, "Oh my gosh, they're like six inches from hitting us," you know. Yeah. <laughs> so it was it was a little bit unnerving. Um, of course, they built a, a much bigger bridge there, but um, that. If, you know, infatuation is clear with with flying Hera. Is a great pilot. She's one of the best pilots ever, and uh, we see that at this age, she's only kind of just learning. Um, mm-hmm. We don't really know who teaches her to be like that great because she's not a great pilot here yet. She's she's probably on her at the end of the episode. She's on her own, so she's gonna you know she's gonna figure out some stuff and be like mm-hmm. she'll probably be a fair pilot for her age. She'll be really impressive, but. Yeah, uh, this is the start of that. But that's and, when we get this little meeting. She's obsessed with the Havoc Marauder. She's like, "That's a cool ship. I want to see it." She gets to meet, um, <clears throat> she gets to meet Omega, Omega, and uh, they have their little, you know, their little connection. What do you think about that? Is it are we are we gonna see? I don't know. We're we gonna see live action Hera one day, and we're we gonna see Omega alive at some point and be like, "Hey, it's been forever. You know, we're old friend. You know." Is that it's where we entirely get it? possible. Yeah. Um, it, is a po- it is possible. But now, what do you think? I mean, I think it'd be fun to see that. Um, I think what's great about this is, you know, Omega really hasn't had any friends her age in the show yet. Yeah. And that's kind of an important thing to have. If she, if she never has friends close to her age, I, that could have a, a problem developmentally. Um, and allies her. outside of her immediate family, too. Yeah, exactly. So I think it's good to show her being able to connect with another person closer to her age. Good that they have similar likes and dislikes. I don't know if this struck you as much, but when Hera's looking at the ship and they're describing it, 
I wondered if Hera's seeing things that she really likes that she may take into effect when she gets the ghost. Because, like, they talk about, like, the way that the, um, the gun, you know, the, the gun mm-hmm. placement in the ship is very similar to the way that they did that with the ghost, um, with its gun placement. And I wonder if Hera's like, you know what? I like that idea. And, like, so it's like, that's why she got the ghost for, like, things like that. Like, she's seeing here, this is, her meeting the Batch is the reason she gets a ship as good as the ghost. And I'm like, it may, maybe not, but. Possibly. Um, oh, we already, to your point about, you know, Hera learning to fly, we know in the book A New Dawn, which is a fantastic book, one of my favorites, um, we know in that book that Hera really was basically uh, a loner, you know, for most of her adult life, mm-hmm. she wasn't working with an established group, like, she's not working with Gobi or with Cham or anyone, she's basically just, she's not fighting the Empire, but she's, like, searching for the Empire and scouting out and doing reconnaissance and stuff. But she does it all on her own. She doesn't have any apparatus to help her. She she doesn't even use Chopper that much. She, he's kind of there, but you know she she kind of keeps him hidden more. So to I don't th- I think she may learn from someone, but I think a lot of it's going to be self taught. Hmm. And there was like one line of dialogue. She was like, um, Omega says, uh, "No funny business." And Hera doesn't even really know what that is. You yeah, know what I mean, it's a it's I mean, a colloquialism uh, in in, you know, on Earth, on Earth society. Mm-hmm. So, first of all, it maybe shouldn't necessarily be in Star Wars, but the fact that, you know, it's probably that, you know, maybe in certain parts of the galaxy, that colloquialism <laughs> it's, is... It's hard to believe that Omega is more cultured than Hera, who Hera, at the very least, lives on a, you know, a planet with tons of other people. Oh, oh no, they're, raised, they're both cultured, but I'm saying that, like, that's a colloquialism that wasn't normal on Ryloth. Oh, yeah, I guess. That's what I'm saying. There's not too many Ryloth comedians. We never <laughs> found out if if uh, Hunter or Omega won, but seeing as Omega's on the mission, the mission with them, it seems like Omega probably won the game of Dejaric at the end of last episode. Well, I'll say this. If, if she didn't, it would make for a really boring show because she would never go on any <laughs> missions with them. Yeah. And she's kind of the main character. I mean, obviously, kind the Mad Match is the main character. But, like, you know, it's... The whole show revolves kind of like how Baby Yoda, the whole show of, of uh, Mandalorian revolves around how Grogu, you know, reacts with Mando. And so, like, if you take her away and in every episode she's stuck with Sid, mm-hmm. you know, the, if, if she's doing that every episode, they really won't have the dynamic that they're trying to get. So, it, like, she had to win the, the match, essentially, for storytelling yeah. process. So I, I realize that we're setting up and for a lot of people, this episode was seen as, oh, it's political. I'm not, in, you know, invested in, in these characters as much as I am the main cast. You know, this is, this is Rebels set up. This is tying off an arc that was in, you know, a little bit of Clone Wars. But this is not, it didn't feel the same. Um, and for a lot of people that took away from the episode, you were more invested in those things. And I, one of the things I texted you, as I said, other people are not going to like this episode, but you will love this episode. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so, so Jonathan really liked this. For me personally, I was somewhere in the middle. But I'll tell you what, if it, I, don't want to, I don't want them to too much focus on setting up. But I would love to see uh, Zeb and the Lasat people in general would, would cross. He would get along just so chummy with 
the Bad Batch. Would mm-hmm. he not? Especially with just the camaraderie that they have. I would love, and I love the voice actor, and I would love to see the character models of their species in Clone Wars style, too. So at some point, probably not this season, but in the future of Bad Batch, I would love to see, because I really want them to get on to the, you know, what's the, and I mean, I don't know. Ryloth themselves may have resources that are going to be the spark of a, the rest of this, the rest of the season arc. I don't know. We, I feel like we're at least spending another episode on there. So we're going to spend 12 and then we'd have 13, 14, 15, 16, four more episodes to maybe tie off. And this is just a two episode, little mini kind of arc in here, but I think 15 and 16 are going to be, you know, the the ending arc of the season. That's the big finale Mm -hmm. stuff. 15 leads to the cliffhanger and 16 is the big episode. The episode episode. titles have been leaked. Have you seen those? I saw the next one. I saw the next one is something over Ryloth. Um, Let me look them up real quick. Of something. But yeah, the uh, but for sure, though, the last two episodes, I feel like, are that finale-ish feeling. Whereas the... um, uh, the I think episodes okay, yeah. thirteen and fourteen will be their own arc. Or we've two got individual rescue episodes. on Ryloth. Yeah, which we already predicted the Bad Batch will come and rescue, rescue Hera on or, or possibly yeah yeah just all of Ryloth. Um, infested is episode thirteen. Yeah, that's probably and its own separate thing. War, War mantle. War mantle seems very political, like it's. I don't know. It could be something to do with the formation of a group that opposes the Empire. Realizing that a new war was being fought, but this war is totally different because they're vastly outgunned, outnumbered, out-everything, and they've got to first view and just find out who they can trust and secretly build something together. I don't even know that they're at that point yet. I doubt that they're able, because we're only months after. They, they they may just be like war on one particular planet that's like the first to, you know, stand up to the Empire at all. I don't know. So be interesting. But those are the three titles that we have for the next three episodes. Rescue and Ryloth, Infested. Infested. That makes me think of something bug-related. Geonosis. Uh, that's possible. Um, we got an entire book on Legends that was basically um, uh, uh, the Cestus Deception, and it had a novella connected to it called The Hive, and that was about this like bug-related species where the Jedi go and the Jedi and the clones go to this planet to fight the bugs and stuff, and it's really creepy and gross and stuff like that. Um, I think we'll uh, it'll be something similar to that. Hmm. Yeah, there's there's plenty of bug species besides the, just the Geonosians, so we could be anywhere with that. And infested doesn't necessarily have to mean, you know, bugs, but... Um, let's see. Hey, in addition to the soundtrack, there was some sound design, sound effects. Yeah, like I noticed that too. The yeah. speeders were really... They, were, they used Return of the Jedi speeder sounds um, for those. They were nice little throwbacks in there. Um, the little speeder chase... Uh, of course, we had the blurgs, and it made me think, you know, hey, they're, I mean, they're, they're able to ride the blurgs. It took Mando, like, all of a day to learn how to ride it, but he did. I mean, they, um, these people live on the planet with the with yeah, blurgs yeah, yeah. normalized. It's like, you know, if, if imagine us riding horses is pretty easy, easy to pick up. Whereas you try to get people, uh, like aliens, trying to come <clears throat> to Earth to try to ride horses, 
they'd probably have a difficult time at first. If the horses had, like, you know, teeth and could eat you. I mean, yeah. like riding a velociraptor or something. But Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, a blurg is a piranha with legs. We all know what it is. It's a piranha. You, kn- you know what it is. Um, anyway, so at the end of the episode, we're, we're left at this position, right, where <clears throat> you've got uh, both Sindulas, the parents, captured, Right, and well, of course, Ornfey or Ornfrey is maybe alive, maybe, maybe, possibly, but for serious, he's he's gonna be out for a while because he didn't yeah, recover gonna... from a headshot that quickly. Uh, he's a non-factor for the rest of this arc, anyway. Uh, I think any. Um, oh, we didn't talk about the scar from Crosshair. Ooh. His scar from the burn a couple yeah. episodes. This is the first time we've seen him with his mask off. I thought it was awesome. I thought it made, yeah. made him look even cooler. I um, saw it, but it didn't stand out to me, but I thought it looked oh. cool. Um, and then R- Rampart. I'm glad we got to see more of Rampart. Yeah, he is, we needed he to. Is, he's definitely not giving you evil vibes the way Tarkin does, but his actions are just as cunning. Yeah. You know? He gives me kind of a similar vibe that Callus did in the first, maybe first Early season. Early Callus. Yeah, first season of Rebels Callus. Um, but you were saying a minute ago that, you know, why I like this episode more than others. It just made me think, you know, yeah. obviously Bad Batch has been a fantastic show. This is by far the best first season of any Star Wars animated show. But if you were telling me, all right, I'm going to give you two options. You can get a show featuring the Bad Batch or you can get... The Sandulas TV show. I would have picked the Sandulas TV show, where huh. we're going around Ryloth, slowly building a rebellion. Uh, you know, every episode they get a new type of weapon. They get another person joining their crew. You know, they're fighting against the Empire slowly, building up to taking you know little cities and then eventually, you know, big cities and then the capital, like like that type of episode. That is more appealing to me because I love Ryloth. I love the Twi'leks. I love Cham and Hera and um, the and the whole concept. So to me, that's more interesting. So mm-hmm. even though this isn't necessarily the best Bad Batch episode, it's mm-hmm. an episode that I personally enjoyed more because it featured storylines that I'd prefer more. Kind of like with Mandalorian the in mm-hmm. that first season, you know, there's that episode where they're going off on that mission in episode six. Um, oh, yeah, yeah, to uh, rescue, Yeah, obviously. You've got um, Bill Burr's character. Mm-hmm. Um, what's his name? Wessel? I can't remember. I don't remember. remember. But that, and then that the, episode, you, you, I remember you being so excited about that episode because that was what you had wanted Mando to be. Whereas I, yeah, originally, yeah. At, for the first season, not, not, not talking about season two, but the first season, that was what you had wanted. I had wanted more of you know what we got with Mando in that season one. So when we had that episode, I didn't necessarily enjoy it as much because it didn't feel as much Mando as the other episodes. It was still a great episode, but same, similar to thing I like here. that. I still like that episode a lot. Yeah. It's a fun one-off episode. You can watch that and not have to watch anything else. And this will be an arc where you could basically probably watch this and then rescue on Ryloth the next episode, which we haven't seen. And you could watch those in a two, you know, in like a 45 minutes and be like, Hey, that was a nice 45 minutes. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. if you're like sitting there and you want to watch something for dinner and then fold clothes. But, um, yeah, it's a, it's a good, it, I, I get it. I get it. Um, so 
<clears throat> let's see. Theory for you. Just tell me what you think. Um, maybe this you're going to have some book knowledge that's going to be like, well, that's what, that's not going to happen exactly. But what uh, it's possible that what we're going to see at the end of this season, um, I think the Rebel Alliance is not the first group. That's they're just the group that's the most successful. But you're going to see another group come together and resist the Empire and be wiped out and fail. And we're going to lose some people. And you're going to have some survive. Hera's going to live. Chopper's going to live, I guess. He's destroyed. You know, but you're going to have some really big names that we don't know who resist and then fail. And possibly the Bad Batch at their helm or a member of the Bad Batch. I don't know. But that, I think, is most likely. I think that's what's going to crush and then leave characters like Hera to be alone as we know they are for such a long period of time because they're like, well, we've already tried fighting back. It's hopeless. They're just I like, too, your, th- just I like your theory. It's you very, think so? very uh, good. It's also possible that the, that rebellion, whatever that team is, stays, you know, stays standing somehow. And yet you still have people like Hera leave or something. Um, I, but I do, I, I do like that idea of, you know, the small group forming and failing. You know, obviously Saw's partisans were around the whole time, but they grew, swelled and, and, and failed several times. Mm-hmm. And you have people like uh, the Cloud Riders and Fisnest. They they come up later, about ten years into the time. Maybe not ten years, more like eight years later. Um, and then, of course, you have the Rebel Alliance, uh, which is about 15 years later. Uh, we, do, we do have pockets... Um, uh, but, and despite the fact that the time frame between episodes three and four has been really, um, uh, investigated, we haven't gotten much between like one to five years yeah, after yeah, yeah. we've gotten, we've gotten a ton five years and on, and we've gotten a ton immediately after episode three. We haven't really seen that developmental. We haven't seen the empire right. dramatically. We don't even know how stormtroopers quite i mean we haven't seen that process i yeah. think we're going to oh I think yeah we're, we're gonna, going to in this cell. that's that's one of the things that this show is meant to answer mm-hmm. so so yeah one that first five years um ripe so ripe for storytelling and for characters that we don't know their fate for that fate to be revealed and and uh, that's why i think that you know a lot of people have fatigue of oh we're going back to this era again but this is one time where it's okay to go back to this era because we're exploring a new part of the era. You know, if we were just going back and doing another show set in the Clone Wars or another show set in the Rebels timeline, I think more people would be frustrated. But since this mm. is kind of a fresh take and a fresh era, they're able to get away with it. But they need to do a new show or new something Separate. I mean, obviously we have like the higher public books, but that's earlier. That's way mm-hmm. earlier. I'm talking like they need to do something five years before Phantom Menace, five years after Rise of Skywalker. They need to do something in a brand new era or do more shows in between. Maybe do a show halfway in between six and seven. We have Mando, which is like five, six years after uh, Return of the Jedi. Let's do a show that's 15 mm-hmm. years after Return of the Jedi. You know, yeah. expand expand that part of the time. Eventually, which is, they will. Uh, yeah, but yeah. that's that's the most between episode six and seven is the biggest 
question mark in the timeline that we currently have. And I think that's what's good. They're going to be mm-hmm. expanding in the next couple of years. Yeah, I, de- I agree. In these first five years here as well, but, but both of those, um, great and, and fleshed out the more, the more, the better. Um, I had a thought and I lost it. I'm sorry. Well, you, it's okay. I'm sure that happens to you a lot when I talk and ramble. You weren't rambling either. Um, so that's okay. We will come We will come back to our ranking, which is what we usually do at the end of these. Um, I will say, when I was watching the live party of this, I, the general reception was... And I, I think people tend to... <laughs> tend to have their opinions like in a group they have like a herd but there were people who was like three out of ten four out of ten you know um come on guys respect what this was about for what it did um yeah i i'm i'm still not like i wasn't this is not my favorite episode at all so i'm gonna say for me like six and a half maybe mm-hmm. seven it's still it's it's not the worst episode of this season to me, because I still think the worst episode was like that, s- episode yeah, three, third epi- yeah, mm-hmm. the third episode. Um, but uh, yeah, it it wasn't anywhere as like, I mean, a couple episodes I was like nine and a ten, nine and a half out of ten. For me, it just wasn't up there. Um, but for you. I know, and I knew that this is going to be a great episode. <laughs> so I'm really curious, and people out there, I mean, just realize like different people love different parts of Star Wars. So I'm super glad that Jonathan's going to have a a high score for this one. So tell us. Yeah, it's gonna, mine's going to be eight point eight. It doesn't okay. break nine point oh because there are still problems I have with the episode and some pacing issues. But as a whole, I really enjoyed it. And I hope they do more with this. I think I remember my comment now. Um, but I, it, it's not that important. Well, maybe I'll say it. Um, 8.8 sounds like, a, sounds like a really high rating to me. But that just tells me that you really enjoy that stuff. And you're, you're somebody that really knows all of the connections. For the book readers who have all these pieces and they're just desperately trying to find the other pieces that match... It's it's such a rewarding thing when when you know anything anytime they bring in those things that you're like hey we appreciate that you knew, that you knew this or here's you know here's another tie to that character. What I was gonna say before was just this this episode felt a little sad to me in that just months ago just a couple of months ago we could have had characters like Obi Wan Kenobi showing up and yeah. helping and these characters still fit in these and we're seeing the same the same people like the Sindula, um, um, Cham, a Cham or Cham, Cham, Cham. We, this guy who knows Mace Windu and who knows Obi-Wan Kenobi, you know, he's interacted with these characters, these Jedi that are gone. And it's so sad to think about that. It's so sad that they were, that they were there and they would still fit. Like you could almost have, you could almost just picture just like, Oh Yeah. Just everyone would just walk. He would just get up the dropship, and everybody would be okay. And everyone, I don't know. Yeah, it so. is. It is. I, I could say that it is kind of sad when you realize these people were friends of the Jedi, and they probably don't know the whole story. I mean, on Coruscant, everyone knows that the they killed all the Jedi because of quote their their treason or whatever. But 
you know, to the ends of the galaxy, they know a lot of the Jedi died. Do they know yeah. all the ins and outs? Do they? Is do that going to be they, addressed? Like next uh, episode, are the people of Rallis going to be like? I mean, how not could y'all kill the Jedi? Not this season. Not this show. It will be addressed in future projects. Um, that's probably something the comics will explore. To be honest, uh, that's something they like to do in the comics. Uh, so I, I, I think that's the media that that we'll see there. All right, Devil's Deal, Devil's Deal, six and a half for me, no, eight point eight no, for you. Not a, uh, not an inappropriate euphemism. It's an actual. Uh, anyway, uh, bad joke. I'll explain it later. Uh, oh, okay. <laughs> if you get that, you have a worse mind than me. I didn't get it. I didn't. I didn't get it. Okay. All right. <laughs> well, appreciate everybody for listening. Make sure that you uh, like and subscribe. Jonathan, tell everybody where the, all the places they can find us. Our primary place is Simplecast, but you can find us on iTunes and Apple Podcasts. You can find us on Google Podcasts through Google Play. You can find us on uh, Stitcher, on iHeartRadio, on Radio.com. You can find our Facebook page, Two Sons of Tatooine. Please uh, like us there. Please follow us and comment. We'd love to see comments and share. Sharing is important. And also, you can find my book reviews at Roku Depot. I do Star Trek and Star Wars book reviews there. But until next time, I'm Jonathan. I'm Nathan, a.k.a. NP Bro. And thank you for listening to another episode of Two Sons of Tatooine. <laughs> <laughs>